It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Boom, Miss Rusty. What is up, everyone? It is Friday, show number two. This one I didn't know I was doing until a couple hours ago. And I said, hey, what are you doing? And uh, since I'm a little lighter on my schedule, because I'm not going to crazy numbers and crazy number of podcast episodes every day, I have a little bit of time open so I can have guests. And I can go on other shows and I can bring people on right away. I can schedule my day however I want, and that's how I get to schedule it today. So welcome to the Public Access Podcast, the Pennsylvania Public Access Podcast, the pa 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 podcast coming straight out of Intercourse, Pennsylvania. What is up, everyone? My name is Rusty Diamond. I'm your host. And yeah, number two today, number two podcast. That's all I'm doing today. Two is good. Then my voice is going to be thrashed. And I'll have to drink some mullion tea or however you pronounce it. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but do that to make sure my throat doesn't die. Oh, I need to talk to, I had someone supposed to follow up on them about their hypnosis yesterday. So I need to go do that too. But that's not what we're doing today. So thank you everyone for being here. I'm going to bring in my special guest right here, right now. And my special guest right here, right now is Trevor Adamson. There he is. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, yeah, there you go. All right. Got the recording. How's it going? Oh, man, it is going great. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm trying not to trash my voice too much. Um, I think I'm learning how much I can do without my voice just getting trashed. So... I think two podcasts, if I do more than two, then then I start sounding like I've been smoking Marbreds for four days uh straight. And one of those one of those kind of things where I just sort of end up sounding like that. It's kind of fun. But you know. Um, what's that? For the two a day. Yeah, two a day. Two a day seems good. If I can do two a day, I'm I've gotten a lot less. I was doing a bunch i was doing like eight nine a week at least and uh can't be doing that anymore. i need time to do other stuff like go to the water park and stuff important things other than outdoor. just podcasting yeah outdoor things that's that's my outdoor life um <laughs> is going to the water park it's not not as much uh, of the other but um, yeah, dude, thanks for being here. And, uh, you know, just uh, this morning, uh, I don't know, I was trying to figure out for guests because I was like, well, I should get some new guests. And But now I'm a lot more picky with my guests. Yeah. Uh, not just, I was having some guests on where it wasn't quite what I was looking for. And then I get about, 10, 15 minutes on, and I'm just like, well, shit. I've, I've experienced that. I get it. 
Yeah. Like, okay. Well, this is this is gonna be fun. So, um, so you had a story, um, and I was like, well, and then then I like I glanced at your page, and I was like, okay, well, this is gonna be more more what I'm looking for rather than something that's gonna. I think so. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. So how how did it get started? What's what what's the jumping off point for this? I guess is the the question. The jumping off point would probably be the uh, 2016 Bernie campaign and the evolving of that into our current state of affairs. So where were you during that? And the Bernie campaign? Yeah. I was a field organizer in Tennessee. You were a what? A field organizer. Field organizer for Bernie? For, for the Bernie campaign in 16. Yeah. Okay. And so what, because uh, so I mean, it was interesting. Like if I wanted to say that I believed in in the voting process, um, that it would have made sense that he would have, you know, been like, I mean, it seemed like there was enough people like with as much uproar of of the internet world that were like, oh, we know we can all vote for, for Bernie Sanders. And like, it seemed like, well, this could, you know, like if it actually went to it, could be something, but then it became, uh, you know, a lot of other things became a lot of these just a two-sided event and there's all kinds of fucking people getting pissed off on all kinds of things. I was in, I was living in Portland, Oregon at this time. Um, so, I mean, that that's kind of what I saw. And then uh, it just became a whole unraveling of a bunch of, bunch of things. So what, what were you seeing from that, that viewpoint? So that, that whole unraveling, um, I believe transpires, and I think the, the actual debate, like you said, with the, uh, you know, the proliferation of the Bernie campaign, you know, he had more individual contributions than any campaign in U.S. history, um, which there are good things to that, but there's a drawback. And, you know, a lot of people, we live ultimately in a constitutional republic, um, and we have representative democracy. So someone announces their run, uh, gets out in the public eye and then people are supposed to listen to the various candidates or the respective candidates and then from there vote on who they want. And then there's this other version of democracy that uh, is more akin to pure democracy uh, where it's, you know, our group has more people uh, or more ability than you, whatever it might be. And that pure democracy, or as I like to say, like Benjamin Franklin said, uh, two wolves and a lamb deciding on what to vote for dinner. Uh, a well-armed well lamb can test the vote. Um, that, that is the disconnect. So there are groups of people who think that, uh, again, democracy means that the louder you can be. And uh, the, the interesting, as we get into this thing, from my perspective, uh, was these groups grow so quickly because of the internet that it allows for you know, what mental health professionals would say, dark personality types 
to get into these groups. And that's where things start to go sideways. Can I do a quick little uh, side note here about Benjamin Franklin? So have you heard this uh, connection of Benjamin Franklin is Jack the Ripper? <laughs> is that because of the bodies under his house? Yeah, and then like he was in uh, in the UK during uh, that time frame. Um, but I, I don't know. That's just something I, I heard put like a week ago. Uh, yes. So they were having um, uh, bodies exhumed. So the way it worked back then, because it was a crime, if you wanted to donate your body to science um, to you know explore the human anatomy, you would actually pay for your own grave robber to rob your own grave and send it to Franklin's house. Okay, cool. All right. Well, then that's the Jack the Grave Robber, sort yeah. of. Okay, cool. So, okay. So then, science, good sir. Cool. I, I like that. And then that puts... Hey, uh, hey, there's, there's a thin line between felons and revolutionaries, okay? Yeah, right? Well, now when I go over there, I'm like, like I said, I'm like probably like 45 minutes to an hour. Go check out uh, Ben Ben's house over there and uh, see what's yeah. going on. But Well, of course, when they found those underneath his house and stuff, the, the first thing is, was, was old Franklin? Was Ben, ben a serial killer? Was, it? was Ben like Dexter? Yeah, he, he killed the Jack the Ripper. Yeah, yeah, he just yeah kills the uh, the Dexter other killers, dude. Yeah, Dexter, man. I so I didn't watch Dexter until like two years ago, probably, and then just went through it all and um, even the new season. But yeah, it's hot. yeah, yeah. I because I feel like if they're I think they canceled it, but then like they could have done a thing like where they made Dexter like Dexter's dad in the show, and made yeah. and let let the new kid or let Dexter's kid go and run the show for a while. He seemed like he was pretty decent at you know what it was, and they can always retcon that. Yeah, really But yeah, so so they those groups. So for example, you know, with our with the current thing, Free Palestine. And uh, that's what you're seeing in the streets. And, and that proliferated. So 16, like people getting in the process, good, rah, rah. And then things slowly, I started to see, I'm a big, uh, I can quote the George Washington farewell address. And, um, you know, he talks about this alternate domination of factions. And those aren't people like necessarily Democratic versus Republican. In each party, there's, there's actually several little parties you know, and then there's uh, self-subscribed uh, anarchists and various other platforms that whittle in there. Yeah, on both sides. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. oh, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I would, when they say both the far sides. left and the far right, I would actually say that, you know, those are, uh, in, in my mind, it's only actually probably, you know, 15% of the population split down the middle of these smaller pockets of these little tyranny of minorities that are, are, you know, kind of upping their choice of candidates. Yeah. And so, okay. So then, so then you're kind of in the, okay. You said you were doing the, what part of the campaign you were helping out with? I was a field organizer. Okay. You're a field organizer. So then what, I mean, were people, 
So, like, as a, what does the field organizer? Does that mean you are out there like collecting signatures? So, so generally, a field organizer is just gathering, uh, you know, the people necessary to fulfill the the jobs that are needed, and also teaching phone banking, canvassing, things like that. For example, I worked with Corbin Trent, AOC's communications director, on that, uh, on those things. Um, you know. A good field organizer, it's kind of like herding cats. You know, you're getting people in the room. And then, uh, you know, the way I've always liked to do it is let people kind of fill in what roles they want to. Because obviously, not everybody's, uh, you know, a social butterfly going to go out knocking on doors and stuff like that. So, you know, just to give you an example, there was one guy uh, named Paul from New York that happened to be living in Tennessee. And he was an IT guy. So he set up a lot of infrastructure that helped and stuff like that. You want to be the guy knocking on the door. You don't want Paul knocking on the door. And uh... oh, Paul said he wouldn't knock on the door. He's like, I'm not doing that, but I can do this. Yeah. And it's very valuable, you know, the IT guys. Absolutely. Yeah. That's something that, yeah. One or probably one or the other. Not, there's a little bit of overlap, but so then you're herding all these cats, uh, much like, uh, you know, much like, uh, a promoter or a strip club owner or... well, the with, with the thing with the bird the bernie campaign man like people were flocking so there's not really you know um it's more like people reaching out to pages and then they would be like hey how do i help and then you, oh, would, shit. you would send them so like you know paul for example we'll go back to him he had a whole it team a whole you know they'd be out there smoking their cigarettes and doing their their it stuff Beautiful. Yeah. And just wanting to help. You didn't have to go and like reach out to people much to be able to get help. No, help. actually, that was very surprising, you know. And to be honest with you, I didn't agree necessarily with Bernie Sanders on everything. I, I picked this campaign because I thought it was likely to be, um, you know, uh, a, a big mainstream thing, even when they said it was, well, you know, he wasn't going nowhere. And it right. Skyrocketed into the meme. The, the very millions of different memes. Um, but I thought it would be a good idea to share the George Washington uh, farewell address. You know, I had marginal support with that, uh, success with that. <laughs> and I saw that for people not wanting, like, I don't know, were people not wanting to hear George Washington? Because like that, like, I don't know, compared to 2016 to 2023, if you tell someone you're gonna go and tell the George Washington farewell address, how people would react to it, I think is probably pretty different now so, to seven years ago. So in this this journey, that is something I, I've had a felt perspective. So I, for example, the, the church I grew up into, which some refer to as a cult because of various other, uh, it's called te techniques that they use. Um, it's all just celebrate It's uh, called what? They did not celebrate Christmas. So, you know, they have, uh, and uh, as a result of that, as a kid, when they said, you know, basically everybody that doesn't celebrate Christmas is going to hell, I go uh, find out some various stories about Christmas, find out George Washington crossed the Delaware, uh, you know, through Christmas night and into the morning of the 26th. And, um, you know, I have never really, I kind of grew up with this perspective that everybody was kind of reading the founding fathers or, or that error. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead. Um, because uh, the, 
the weird kind of thing that a mental health professional brought to my attention um, that some have in the past have, have subscribed to is high IQ. Uh, I feel it's just circumstance and that circumstance is I'm, I'm a kid that grew up in church without Christmas and I'm born the day after Christmas. So, oh, okay. You know, when these people, I'm disagreeing with these elders that I'm around, the, the founding fathers to me were, were kind of a solid choice. So. And so with the, so then you took to Washington and whatever, Jefferson. Yeah, started studying their letters, logic, reason. This, the, you know, the podcast link I sent to you, I was trying to start a Junto podcast, which was actually Benjamin Franklin had the, the Junto Club, which means together in Spanish, or that is also called the Leather Apron Club. And so, yeah, and so, I mean, I guess it was good to start the podcast talking about uh, the Jack the Ripper. Um, yeah. Thing. Oh, put, that, put, that, put that to rest right away. And so, but I mean, yeah, it's like I, like I was saying, it's, it's hard to say like anything about the founding fathers now without just someone just jumping to whatever somehow is, is triggering to them whatever the founding fathers anything just right away without even hearing two three words past that just right well, to, and... to answer your question that that was the kind of the reception was first of all why is this guy talking about the founding fathers and of course some of the responses from you know the left-leaning uh, portions were saying, you know, of course, why are you quoting rich white aristocratic landowners? And um, this right. is, of course, while the Me Too movement and the Believe Women movements, you know, uh, firing off and things like that, cancel culture. So, you know, it was rife. For, uh, yeah. And so, I mean, how did you get to navigate through that? Was it what a book were you getting a bunch of uh, feedback on that? Uh, a bunch of people that, or was it? Were you just kind of doing your own thing? And I mean, I assume some people were, but then, yeah, then you get, I don't know. It's, it's a weird subsection of kind of everyone kind of taking it. I was like a one track mind and I, I severely underestimated, to give you an example, I spoke to a lawyer the other day who said, uh, he said, son, I know enough constitutional law to make me dangerous. He's like, you're not a lawyer. How, how are you interpreting all this? And, uh, you know, that was something that, you know, I didn't realize how big of an impact it had on me. And then I started looking, you know, effectively the, the what I saw was what they were warning us about, for example, George Washington in the farewell address was transpiring right in front of me in 16. And so, for example, I I called the events of January 6th, not exactly, but I knew it would, uh, you know, in some of the, the protests uh, at the White House during the George Floyd protests, I saw those things and those those characters trying to, or how, you know, mental health professionals who have heard the story refer to the dark personalities, people who were using their own, um, or rather their, their, uh, they're venting their own frustration with society. Um, through these channels and that's something that all of these organizing groups have to be aware of right and there's like any 
organization, there's always going to be bad apples, people trying to, I don't know what the, what the way to say it, like get themselves over, like get them, uh, like kind of make them the, the center of whatever and doing whatever they want to do disguised as blank whatever is going on to be able to justify what they're doing. Yes. Uh, platitudes, a lot of finger pointing. And yeah, a lot of that is for, you know, gratification of ego or frustrations. And again, like when I say mental, uh, dark, as they refer to dark personalities, like are you familiar with the dark triad of personality tri types? Um, not so much. Tell me. I'm, I'm actually speaking to people who have actual sociopathy, uh, psychopathy, Machiavellians, narcissists, um, who, you know, it's are doing and operating in such a way that it's hard for, uh, you know, people who aren't to, to even pick up on, on what's going on. So we're talking about like in, in the background, you'll see people posting, you know, these things of peace and love and things that are uh, almost kind of like a cult leader. I, I have seen that, you know, and having grown up with it, um, I, I saw that proliferating. Oh, shit. Okay. And so, yeah, I mean, even like go, going back, like you were saying, with uh, even with social media and shit, like uh, everyone, if you, you put like whatever the uh, uh, the way to compare, like what whatever the holding up a, a peace sign, whatever the equivalent is online, uh, the uh, fuck I forgot what the just you you know yeah whatever whatever your thing is whatever the the fad of the day is yeah it leads to a lot of polarization um. So yeah, those are the, like, man, I know Democrats, Republicans, Green Party, Libertarians, um, who think a lot of this mess is ridiculous. Unfortunately, the internet makes it seem that there's a greater divide than there is. Um, the polarization obviously is deepened, but if you, it's hard to describe unless you've been in like an organizing field for politics. Yeah. Where, what I would suggest now is the majority of Americans are quiet, the silent majority as it spoke on both sides. Like the, the Republicans and Democrats say that they're they're both the loudest, right? And right. that's those smaller factions that I say are doing are generating the largest amount of content. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Is what? The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah, unfortunately, but that's gotta stop. And I think there's a way to stop. Well, what is that? Uh, conspiracy against rights. Uh, the, the conspiracy against rights, and if it's used in the law, I'll give you the first one. 18241 is the statute, federal statute that was enacted uh, in 1871 to combat the Ku Klux Klan and also to combat judges, prosecutors, and other law enforcement agencies that were not prosecuting um, those people and or using uh, the law to, uh, you know, against black people back then. 
So the, the statute's very easy. It says if two or more people conspire to deny the right of any U.S. citizen in the exercise of any enjoyment uh, given to him or her by the U.S. Constitution or the laws of the states, they are to be fined and or imprisoned up to 10 years, depending on how bad that is. So what I would suggest now is that with defamation, slander, um, you have all the, in most st states have statutes for laws like this already, cyber stalking, um, you know, they have a various different harassment and laws to, for that, right? If they're being used in the conjunction, so if I went and got another person and we said, you know what, we're going to go after Rusty and we're going to shut down his podcast and we're going to spread lies about him and everything like that, I think those people, depending on how far that gets should be prosecuted under those federal laws. And so as of right now, that would have to, I mean, there's old documents, a lot of documents, but there's not really a precedent for that that has been tried in a court system so far. Would this be something new? Uh, there, there... There are uh, precedents, and again, generally the the conspiracy against rights. And by the way, if it leaks into the legal system, it would be deprivation of rights under color of law. Um, those are generally used on law enforcement uh, agencies, but they are they're strictly for everybody, including judges. Um, and uh, the precedent for it, the the the, the difference today is that. Um, as I said, with the proliferation, the speed of the internet is no one's looked at those laws like defamation laws through that lens. And no, that, I mean, literally, if you look up talks, it, it's a very underutilized uh, statute in the first place. And um, again, depending on the severity of all the act requires is that two people conspire or initiate the objective with silencing dissent and they can use any statute to do it um, you know it's a pretty broad statute but if they're committing a crime in the act of trying to silence so in other words not just shouting you down not just saying they disagree with you actively committing crimes against you while they're doing it yes i think you trigger trigger the fastest statute so i mean Let's see. So, I mean, I was in uh, kind of the outskirts of the entertainment industry, and I saw a bunch of that and a bunch of we don't want to basically we're, we're shutting you down. Nobody work with this person because they have this belief or this person like, you know, um, I guess that was kind of the main one. I saw a bunch of that. And then I also saw, I mean, I saw a bunch of the, we um, are allowing everyone, everyone is okay to be here unless, you know, you don't agree with us. And then uh, like the people like you, you get these people that just because then it became out with the you know the the me too and 
everything with that. There was a bunch of wild kind of shit that went down with that. And it was a just, I don't know, so much just, like, I completely got away from all this. And then, so, I mean, I just started hearing stuff from my friends. Like, my friends were the ones that tell, because I would just see people just get destroyed. And, like, I, and then, yeah, all, a lot of the, everyone is, like, back to the, the, wolf in uh, sheep's clothing there was so much of that like because that's where a lot of these and it can go back to with uh politics as well like that's where uh, like a lot of these wolves hang out because they're like that's the best place for them to be because it's fucking easy picking and who's gonna stop them until it's they've already fucking eaten the sheep yeah, so uh, on that, so George Washington spoke of the spirit of revenge okay, that would result, the disorders and miseries which resulted. So, you know, obviously mental health was not what it is today. And um, as far as the wolves and sheep clothing, going back to the kind of like dark personality types, right? So you have narcissists and, and sociopaths and things like that. There is a constant, you mentioned, you know, people... Uh, you know shunning people so there's actually a constitutional right to shun people and to reject people from joining your group um, so that's under general assembly and things like that uh, so you can set parameters of, of, upon how people can join your group what you cannot is take your group and then go attack the other group uh, you can talk about them but what I'm saying is once you start lying and sharing information. So when I talk about some of these cyber crimes, I'm talking about cyber stalking, morphing, which is to take, you know, we've, we've heard of the revenge form, um, you know, using things that there are actually criminal statutes for right. behind closed doors. So what I'm saying is right now, there's a group of people out there who uh, are using these tactics and the general public doesn't, it's not aware. And I saw a lot of that being utilized against people who wanted to run for office, who wanted to work for certain candidates, who wanted to start podcasts, who wanted to do a various number of things. And the irony to it is generally it has no even uh, tangible benefit for the people doing it. In other words, they're just simply getting a gratification out of it. It elevates their, their what they perceive. You can go attack that person as, you know, uh, you know, being the devil in disguise, uh, you know, it, it, in other words, they create their own monsters so that they can destroy that person to elevate themselves. So, so, okay, so they're, they're getting, so are these monsters then people who are made to be pawns, hmm. un unknowingly made to be pawns and they yeah. they're getting all this shit and then they just fucking trash them to boost their stock correct and and they're just look, that's a good way to look at it and yeah i mean the, the sad thing is, is what people don't understand about like me too movement things like that those, those things happen to women um there are women that use these tactics against other women to prevent them from from running for office so you know it looks like oh look look women are getting into the political field 
but what you don't see is, you know, hey, there's bad women too, stamping down good women out there. And, uh, right. yeah. So, so, okay, so you're seeing this going on. And so then where are you kind of, is this, is this like all coming to you or are you like talking with someone about this and be like, Hey, there's some shady shit going on. What's, what's up? Or are you just taking note or what? Oh yeah. But that's, that's the deal. What I'm trying to explain from like, Hey guys, some of this is the spirit of revenge. Like Jordan Washington talked about, you know, uh, you know, you talk to my friends and people who knew me before, uh, like I said, I was unaware that there were a great majority of people in my life, uh, past coworkers, friends, that literally thought that I was a genius instead of just kind of the circumstances behind my upbringing. And that was a whole, like, you know, imagine waking up, you know, around 35 years old and realizing like, I mean, I, I called a number of friends and by the way, I don't claim to be smarter than anybody. Um, it, it's, a, uh, it's just my niche. It's what makes me, me. And trying to kind of, I, I, I had an unawareness of um, how little people knew about the Constitution or the founding fathers or those time periods, even history. You know, I kind of assumed that everybody was in politics the entire time, do more than I did. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, I thought I was always the dumbest person in the room. And however, when I started seeing those things, uh, I was like, oh, man, no, this is going to get bad. Like, there's going to be, this is going to, this is exactly what they said was going to happen. Yeah, uh, fucking whatever, 200 and not 200, how long? Uh, 250 years What's later. That? 250 years later, 260, I don't know. We're actually approaching, so uh, we're approaching our semi-quincentennial, our 250th birthday. Okay, so yeah, it's like 240 something then? 2026. 2026, okay. 1776. Oh, yeah. Okay. 2026. yeah. I don't know why I can't fucking do a 50 fucking year. I actually got a bicentennial coin right here. Wait a minute, that's why I'm flipping around. Where, where'd you pick that up? I, it was actually given to me randomly uh, by somebody. Um, I think I remember a lot of that in the 80s and stuff. I remember seeing a lot of bicentennial everything um, growing up. There, People always have stuff on their wall and um yeah 76 but that wasn't that long ago but now yeah now it's that was another weird thing too so like when we were kids what like vietnam and world war ii and world war war one were as far as going back like now like vietnam is almost like where we were like at World War II when we were kids. Yeah. And yeah, uh, and yeah World War II is like World War One, And yeah, well, it's, it's, it's just kind of odd. Yeah. But um, so, okay. So then you're starting to figure this out. People are thinking that you're seeing stuff that no one else is really seeing. And so... Okay. Either the perspective about me was either that I was crazy and or a genius. There was no in-between. Well, there's not much of an in-between in either of that anyway. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. But no, uh, 
Now, so some of the, uh, you know, a mental health professional particularly is the one that pulled that out. She referred to, uh, she, at the time, she goes, uh, she's like, have you heard of synchronicities? And I was like, no. And that's a, that's a concept that the father of analytical psychology came up with. Uh, Carl Jung, Jordan Peterson talks about it all the time. That was all news to me. So she was telling me I was high IQ. And I was like, I was like, everybody, you know, this was the kind of the going trend and uh you know i they she said you, you have a sense of denial about this and finally i i kind of told her that and that's when she realized she goes uh at one point she goes she said uh do you have any friends or advisors and i just kind of jokingly because she's kind of putting me on a pedestal i said uh i don't know the word friend and advisor but synonymous with one another and she started laughing. She goes, okay, that's projection. She goes, you really don't think you're smarter than me, do you? And I was like, no, I'm trying to tell everybody that <laughs> you can go read Google any of this. Um, you know, it's it's all up there on the interweb. Right. And I mean, but who is, you tell someone to read anything more than a title of a paper or article or anything on the internet good luck yeah and, and i started realizing that there you know that it would have to be um conveyed in a different way and that was kind of my decision to do this and just to give you an example of myself because you know uh the reason things got as bad for me as they did was because some people you know were getting pushed out of the political process and things like that um you know, uh, you're familiar with this What is a Woman documentary with uh, Matt Walsh? Uh -uh. So Matt Walsh has the, is pretty famous, you know, 22. Uh, uh, it's the, basically, he was going around and asking and talking to uh, the, the gender um, community, tra uh, transgender community, and asking them, you know, to define what is a woman. And that's the documentary. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Gert Comfrey, a.k.a. Sarah E. Bolden, or uh, Sarah E. Grove, rather, uh, was part of that documentary. And um, she believes, or she goes by the pronouns they, them, um, that she's gender fluid or whatever it is that. And uh, anyway, to give you this kind of how this worked, so there's the campaign aspect of my life. I have no idea that my former church uh, was in litigation in the courts and she just so happens to have a degree in theology plus with it's basically a perfect storm um, they get wind that I'm a part of this church uh, it's pretty infamous in the area as it is and um, basically before I could uh, get out of my suit and realize the underlying factor of, of what the rumors and things I was hearing. So you basically like 16, 17, 18. Uh, that's when I see things kind of starting to transpire and go the way that Washington said. And then 19 and 20, I'm already hearing a buildup of, of this animosity towards myself and rumors and things start to pick up. And you're kind of consciously aware of it, but you're, you're still living life, right? But that all unfolded in 2020. Um, there was a George Floyd protest and uh, I volunteered some of the pages to the black community, black organizers to use for the Bernie Sanders, uh, for the Floyd protest. 
And my cancellation, so to speak, uh, they went out and said that I had created this flyer. Uh, first of all, I can't draw a stick figure. So <laughs> uh, the, the, the flyer was pretty intricate, but they said that I, as a white man, uh, used um, hierarchical or white uh, tactics of white supremacy and things. And this is how they were describing. So there's in the church, the, the whole argument with these, these two factions of this church is that the congregants are having a beef with the, the upper level. So the churches are supposed to be congregational um, in nature and not hierarchical. The courts ruled that, that it was hierarchical. I just so happened, I did go to that church when I was, I got out when I was like 18. It just so happens that I had, there's a member of the, of the bad faction, so to speak, uh, named David Adamson. I'm not related to that man. But they took it and they ran with it. Oh shit! You got this this protest going, plus the Me Too movement, the cancellation, and God knows else what they said, and it just went like wildfire. I woke up one morning and people were calling me and saying, "Have you looked up on Facebook?" It's, it's still the most surreal thing that I've ever experienced. Um, getting on the post and and being ripped apart by people you know you've never met, and even seeing people that you knew uh, basically just taking carte blanche that you did these things. But the, what they said I did was created this flyer. I used black organizations' names without their permission and a slew of other things. So it just went up like a bonfire. And without anyone asking you anything, just fucking go for that's, it. That's, that's what they refer to as a Kafka trap. So it was now a kangaroo court of public opinion. And there were actually black organizers saying, you know, he, he didn't do that. And, uh, it, you know, it didn't matter what they said because the, the 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 woke mob had already taken over. It was already there, and so, I mean, yeah, there's, and even if like you try to defend yourself, there's people that are gonna talk shit on you for defending yourself, saying that you know just building on everything that they already are thinking of you. Oh. Being like, oh, because you can't, you can't defend yourself, what? Because of, you know, you. This is who you you are and how you were born, uh, kind of a thing. I believe his name is Franz Kafka. Are you familiar with him? Yeah. Yeah. So he. Uh, so that's that's what he's. That's like. So there's a book, I guess, based on it, where this guy they're they're accusing this guy of doing something. And every ounce of of evidence he brought to exonerate himself is then used against him. And they eventually kill him at the end of the book. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> you know, but like you said, no one's gonna read the book. But that that is what happened. So the 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 saddest part about that is actually, and I have a police report proving this, is why all that was going down. I actually had a medical emergency with a friend who went missing, who had a missing police report. I was actually being questioned by a sheriff's office about her whereabouts, me and my ex-fiance. And what happened was the young woman, she had a, had an overdose uh, or something, uh, her medication did something. And she was found by, she went to a park and she was found by, she was supposed to go to a meeting, didn't arrive at the meeting. They notified the police and then the investigation led from there. But she was found eventually by a uh, runner and taken to the emergency room. I hadn't been up for, you know, close to 48 hours. Holy wow. Shit. So they had they had a, a two day jump on me to, to do it, and so they're thinking that you're also like 
murderer? Oh, I mean, again, there were or whatever. I mean, there were so many rumors. There were rumors that uh, uh, that I was, uh, you know, I saw everything under the sun that I was a secret white supremacist, um, an agent provocateur. Uh, you know, I mean, holy shit! And it's like, what? What can you say to that? Or do you just fucking say nothing? Go, go. Away? Yeah, I mean. So then are your friends calling you up, your family? Are you saying anything to them or like what? So no, I mean, like I said, the, the, the kind of the phenomenon, you know, of, of this movement of cancel culture was that, you know, there are reasonable people out there that, you know, they understand what's going on. And those are people that know you pretty much or have dealt with you. Um, and even with people saying like trying to defend me, it, it's the fact that so with the Bernie campaign, this is the irony to this. You have on Facebook and social media these people that have, I mean, literally hundreds of mutual friends, right? There was someone that took the story in uh, in Tennessee and were actually posting about it, thinking it was in California. Oh shit! So there's no. It's a complete, uh, and by the way, Gert Comfrey is a self-described anarchist. That's what she created, was anarchy. And it went up like a bonfire. Like, I expected maybe like a couple thousand people maybe to turn up to that protest. And uh, there ended up being like 15,000, 20,000 people. At the George Floyd protest? In Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually quite a big uh, uproar. But that was proliferated on before, like, ironically, no one knows about these little rival factions or these little groups and things like that. So they think it's all in, in the guise of the, uh, the Floyd protest. And what it is, is, you know, there, there were people, uh, you know, you take a, it's like the game of telephone. They say one thing that's false and then it unravels into all these different, uh, you know, there was someone that said they're, Antifa were planning to steal U-Haul trucks and then go into neighborhoods and burn everything down. Like, I mean, it was the... Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And so, I mean, were you... I mean, like, what the fuck? What what, what do you even do, like, there? I mean, are you, so are you just sort of turning everything off? Or are you sitting there, like, watching all this happen and just keeping on going? And, oh, like, no. what what more are they saying about me? couldn't turn it off. I was getting text messages, emails, messages, you know, um, chatter. Uh, for example, there was actually people that uh, me and my ex had worked with in the ballroom dance industry uh, who were reacting to the, to the information, you know. And for example, and this is why it's so, uh, you know, it's kind of bad. One of the owners uh, of a particular place I had worked with fired a, uh, an employee over it. Because they're like, yo, you're not going to talk about our employees like that, you know. Uh, so, you know, that's what people don't see is they think it's just, oh, just cancel culture. They don't under, you know, Dave Chappelle was talking about cancel culture and his friend, he had a trans friend that, you know, right. committed Francisco. He says, I don't care what people say on Twitter because Twitter's not a real place and everybody laughs. But unfortunately, it is the, a real place. It, it's the public square now. And what people don't realize in chat rooms is when you're doing that to somebody, those people know other people in real life and you have no idea who those people are really. Um, and uh, their true motives or intentions, they could be outright lying. 
for all the aforementioned reasons. And so, I mean, there's, I mean, there's also, I saw a bunch of, yo, uh, if, uh, if you have mutual friends with this person, like I see that, like, if you're still friends with this person and I see anyone that's like on this mutual friends list with them, I'm coming after you. Is that something else that you saw going on with, yeah. with that? As a result of all this, man, I had death threats, um, True threats, what they're called, most statutes or states have statutes called true threats. People saying, when I see you at this place, I'm gonna kick your effing teeth in, things like, I mean, uh, there was another thing that was done called morphing, which is where they take your face and they, they superimpose it on pornography. Uh, I'm talking legitimate crimes. And so what did you do with this part? Were, uh, did well, that's, that's kind of litigation? That, huh? Did any of that turn into the litigation or did it just, you just like. So I went, I went to try to get injunctions to keep the people from talking was what you could do. Uh, however, uh, there's a statute called anti-slap that was used against me. So they just claimed, uh, you know, we just did that. In our, he's, he's suing us for our free speech. They should have taken that settlement because unfortunately, you know, I, got, I don't know if you, you know, know a lot about anti-slap or defamation laws, but uh, Not really. what they created in my mind, there's 33 states with these called anti-slap laws, and they were introduced to keep people from bringing frivolous defamation claims against other people, right? Um, but what we haven't looked at is that conspiratorial aspect to defamation uh, coupled with the internet. So what I'm saying is, is the statute was then used against me. It blocks discovery, uh, which is evidence, and the right to speak openly in court. So I went and actually I tried to make a, uh, I ended up non-suiting the case and I was going to try to get a, a different lawyer. All that proliferated. Um, ended up going to the appellate court where I actually knew uh, one of the judges named Andy Bennett and his wife from the Bernie campaign in 15. So I knew them in 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, eight years before they ruled the case. Not only that, uh, Andy and Sidney Bennett had tried to get me fired from a number of campaigns um, for not censoring uh, people on Facebook and things of that nature. And this is an appellate court judge, by the way. So judges aren't supposed to be endorsing candidates on a campaign trail. I worked for a candidate named Craig Fitzhugh for gubernatorial campaign. And they actually came to my workplace at the ballroom dance studio. And in the ballroom dance industry, you, you get a primary teacher and you get a buddy teacher. Their buddy teacher was my ex uh, and their teacher was John Elliott. So um, as a result of that, they were dance partners. Um, they went to the owner and said that I had been abusive towards uh, uh, Sydney Bennett. And, you know, of course, that if, if anybody read through the, the messages, it was always, you know, her trying to either get me to block people for her and things like that, because that's what she had a proclivity to do on campaigns was to use the seat of her husband's office to bully people into giving, letting her in groups. This is a violation of the General Assembly. Government actors can't, especially in, in tandem, cannot force um, uh, themselves into groups, but they would use that clout to do so. So it just so happened, and you know, this is the hard part for people to understand. So if you look on Trevor Adamson, uh, 
Tennessee on YouTube, which is now public information, and Church of the Firstborn, because I have a shared last name, those cases are in tandem. And Andy Bennett was actually on both court cases. So what I say is that not only did they have a conspiracy against my rights, but they used uh, deprivation of rights under color of law to award them more attorney fees, more sanctions against me. And then that had to be vacated by the Tennessee Supreme Court. And then a new appellate court was selected, which finally ruled in my favor. But I made a constitutional challenge to the statute. Unfortunately, I knew that because of the non-suit, that, that it, the way the non-suit was looked at is that it all ended. So unfortunately, it killed also my constitutional challenge. But the Tennessee Supreme Court, the deputy state deputy attorney general uh, actually wrote an argument. And said, she said, in order, in order for the statute to be unconstitutional, we have to deny a right at common law. So I found a case in 1766, common law England. So the idea was that we, we didn't want to get rid of, we wanted to get rid of the British because we wanted representation. And by the way, they used a lot of these tactics on the founding fathers. But we wanted to get rid of them for that. And this law basically stops the ability to speak openly in court because you can be your own witness. So I should have been able to, in the trial court, say, hey, the underlying reason for me being in the courtroom today is about this church case. And everybody in here is about to violate the free exercise clause because the government cannot force you to have to speak, but they did me. Now, because these things are all public, I have to come out and say, I'm not part of that church. I'm not related to that man. I barely even know these people over here. All the people I really know is this appellate court judge and his wife who have, and I've known for a better part of a decade. And the reason you don't hear anybody talking about this now is because they all know I'm right. And so, I assume there's been no uh, apologies uh, sent to you, uh, no no flowers on your doorstep. Everybody's pleading their Fifth Amendment rights now. Unfortunately, due process is, you know, when you talk about something so much, so just to give you an example, their opposing attorney, his name is Daniel A. Horowitz, actually had a gag order placed on him by a U.S. magistrate for the same behavior, talking about cases on, on Twitter. So for three years, they went championing that they have won and they've beaten the evil white man and stuff like that. Ironically, all these people were white, but uh, you know, the public reacts to that. So imagine this goes on for three years that I'm being, it's called vexatious litigation, malicious prosecution, and a number of other things. Um, I'm just getting beaten in the court by with appellate fees and lawyer fees. And then one day the Tennessee Supreme Court rules in my favor. So everybody goes from the, uh oh, and what it is, is they don't realize the general public. I didn't realize the, the, the 1871, those deprivation of rights and conspiracy rights laws at the time either. It's something we, it's, you know, it's like you said, we're getting close to America's birthday. Yeah. And it's time to start kind of seeing how these laws, why they were written and how they're working in today's age. And so... I mean, I assume like it, like we were saying in the beginning, like no matter what it is, however it's processed, it's just going to be oh, some uh, former uh, wealthy white aristocratic fucking white male fucking guy 
why do we why do we listen to him when there were these you know different laws and anything put into place because there was a reason it was put into place and how easy it is to just step over it and say none of this means anything because of how a person appears physically mm-hmm. and i mean is that, and then how much is that like no it is and actually you? are you getting shut down like just the same here's the crazy part it actually mentions that in the statute there are also it, it doesn't it, it says that race isn't uh, a precursor to, to using the statute so in other words it, it explicitly says that because even though it was enacted to protect the rights of black people in after the civil war uh and by the way ulysses grant you familiar with him the general yeah. you know ulysses grant 50 dollar bill guy it was so bad that he ended up saying prosecute every no matter how ridiculous it sounds prosecute every case of conspiracy against rights and started actually using it and the, the statute can be used on any any officials anybody even judges and they started saying if you're not gonna uh you know give these people rights or prosecute the people who are abusing the statute and the rights then you're going to jail and so then where's that put you and where's that put the people that you've encountered here in this in this case you know i'm, I'm in a you know, in a weird situation is as this is being investigated and things go on. So in other words, it's seen by the courts that, you know, the high courts that I never should have been in any of it anyway. So now it's just public information. I can really speak about it. Um, it's one of those things that I think it's more important for the message right now for us to look at it and actually apply it. Uh, the, the, the statute um, of conspiracy against rights, for example, allows for um the ability to fine and or imprison so it doesn't have to tell imprisonment so you know if it comes out and they're said hey you've done all these things you know as far as i'm concerned you know i'm not the courts nor the authorities um you know even though it's been absolute hell for me i think it's more important that this message get out and we understand how these things affect our society and uh you know, our rights to vote and other things that, you know, I would say that the people involved would get fines. Uh, and, you know, the courts, what they're supposed to do the bare minimum is restore the, whoever was affected to, to their original standing, you know. And in this particular case, this is an extreme extreme set of circumstances. Uh, it, it's actually kind of crazy. But, uh, you know, all that would be looked at as courts. But I think simply... If they find out a group, you know, and that's what uh, deputies and, and other people have to be uh, knowledgeable in this law, because if someone goes in and says, hey, I'm being cyber stalked, there's a statute for this, the authorities have to understand this law because what they could not realize is that it, uh, a federal statute is being triggered at the same time. And if you catch it early, you can say, hey, look, you get a fine, you do not, so you have a right to protest, you have a right to speech. Okay, what you do not have the right to do is intimidate, harass, stalk. Uh, These are all, you've broken laws and you've done it in order to try to silence this person. You put them through the system, they plead guilty, you fine them, 
they go away. Uh, and so, I mean, what would take you back to the baseline of where you were before all this started? Or is that somewhere you want to be? Or is that somewhere that's even possible? Or are you just going for something to move forward? No, it's impossible at this point for me. And then what I mean by that, the, you know, a sad aspect to, to this is uh, I had a friend pass away in 2019 over overdose. And, you know, it was related to the church that was in litigation. So effectively what they forced me into was just cycling through that for four years in the courts. Um, Shit. And I, I am not the same person I was to any stretch of the imagination. If you go through that, the, the podcast, you know, it would probably take a mental health professional to, to, to look at this evidence and several have to go through there and see what, what I was going through mentally. Um, you know, basically, um, you know, I had to raw, raw myself, uh, to keep, you know, I lost my home. Um, I was exiled from my state. And, and the reason this is important is because, you know, first of all, I'm not an exivorous, but, you know, right before the fall of Athens, you know, you had a lot of these tyranny of the majorities. This is in ancient Athens where they, they exiled, for example, uh, Anaxagoras was a philosopher that suggested that the, the sun was not the, the god Apollo, but made up of matter. And, you know, they kicked them, <laughs> they kicked them out. Um, that's where our society is right now. And that, that's a very, you know, I think in this day and age where we're at, we can, we can avoid, uh, you know, the destruction of the Republic. But in order to do that, we have to really grasp it quickly, um, especially with the Palestinian conflict in Israel, you're seeing all that spirit of revenge right now in real time. And so, I mean, what, what can even be done? I mean, what's even, how's that even, I mean, cause yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many people that are not going to want to hear any of it because they're so into where they are and what, what they believe in their head to even having some other idea coming up against it would just almost shut down. This is almost like the, um, you know, like with, with, with PTSD or whatever, or, um, you know, always like being on alert, high alert and on, on adrenaline. Like when you're in that you can't take in any new thoughts at all. You're just always on just fucking survival mode. And so I mean, what, what can be done with someone who can't learn? So that's where I have been in the last five years in a constant state of fight or flight. And, uh, you know, basically in the mindset of, you know, no matter what I'm, I'm delivering what, what I'm, I'm doing and what I'm saying is the, the one thing I would dispute which we go back to uh earlier is these loudest voices you know FDR or rather Teddy Roosevelt has the quote you know no one is above the law nor no one below it nor do we ask them their permission when we ask them to obey it you know uh what I'm saying is these are actually fringe groups who are controlling the narrative uh largely and the rest of America I'd say a large portion 80 percent are are quiet so in other words you just got somebody with a microphone screaming into 
10 other people's face, you know, and the way you combat that is we look at the conspiracy against rights and deprivation rights uh, and how they apply to this. And I think people, I do, I see a switch in sentiment. Like you've seen some pushback now on cancel culture and, and some of these movements because they're like, oh, this, there's not even evidence here. Like um, the cancellation of the, who's the guardian of the galaxy director? Okay. Uh, I can't think of what his name is right now, but yeah. they James Gunn, I think. They canceled him and then he came back. Um, you know, so now people are starting to see like, hey, this has gotten actually rather cultish um, in their environment. I, I think it just starts with people saying uh, locally, law enforcement uh, has a duty to prevent other citizens, small tyranny of majorities from usurping the rights of others. It's not... It's not a choice that anybody has, and you don't present it as a choice. You present it like Ulysses Grant did. This is going to happen because our, our, the safety of our republic depends on it. If you don't use democratic representation, which is what it's there for, if you want to use pure democracy or tyranny and majority, you're out. And so then who would be enforcing it? I mean, what, lo local level or? A so there are level? actually state conspiracy laws. Um, and that's what I'm saying. Those should be enacted before federal uh, agencies get triggered. But now it's, like I said, it's so it's so quick that this happens that, you know, you know, obviously FBI, DOJ, they're the ones that largely investigate, you know, abuse of constitutional rights and stuff. Um, but there are state options for it. But I'm saying is, if you stop it early, uh, you know, the, the legal system there is, as Jordan Peterson said, to prevent people from seeking revenge. That's what ultimately it is. If you, if you oh, like Jordan Peterson's, like, if you extrapolate it to its, you know, <laughs> like that's what it's there for. So, for example, the person who said, I'm going to kick your effing teeth in when I see you at this restaurant, that is a statute in Tennessee that has a has a uh, has a law as a statute. It's a it's a crime. You give a, t a time and a place. Now, when I called the sheriff's office, they didn't want to do anything about it. They didn't think it's a big deal. It was on Facebook, so I went and handled it on my own. Okay, and that's what prevents that from happening. But you know, I was head of security at Allen Jackson's bar. I've bounced on and off Broadway since I was 22 years old. And you know what I'm saying is, is they need to look very closely in their communities and say, hey. For example, the trial court judge in, early in my case actually had someone uh, jailed for saying he wanted to whoop his butt. Okay. Uh, you, you, first of all, you can't say it against a judge. <laughs> but even then, you really shouldn't be able to say it to a citizen, you know, if you get down to the bottom of it. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if I had a, a nickel for every person that told me that is what if i had nickel fairy person that told me that they were gonna uh beat my ass for something uh, i mean probably. right and, but that's you know that's kind of the sentiment you usually get with the police but what i'm saying is, is they're not there to, to give their opinion they're not the judge of the jury or anything like that they don't know like how many times have you heard recently where there's a threat to somebody and then they end up killing them you know uh yeah. The, the, the nickel thing is, is what you would see in society is they're going to cry free speech. Free, you, you know, 
it's against our free speech. But what you would see quickly if you started reining some of this in is that uh, we would return to some sense of normalcy that we haven't had in you know 20 years. And how fast do you think that will happen? Or is that going to be a very slow process? Or is that be something that kind of happens overnight and everyone kind of needs to snap out of it? Oh, unfortunately, uh, you know, if I'm being completely honest, I think we're about to see a lot of, uh, and by the way, just so you know, Trump, uh, the conspiracy of rights for uh, that statute was used against Trump just recently. And the way it's looked at is when, for the election fraud bit, it's looked at you're not just usurping you're you're usurping the right of the voter so for example if you wanted if someone tried to take me out of the race before i ever got going okay using these things you might have voted for me it's not solely about my rights it's about anybody who may have voted for me that's representative democracy it's about the voters rights so that triggered that statute and that so it is on now the uh the radar in the public for sure um as far as how quickly that happens, I think with the pro-Palestinian, I mean, you have, I don't know if you've seen this, have you seen the outright pro-Hamas supporters? And who they are? Yeah, like, um, you know, I'll have to, I think this election is about to get real wiry, um, like nothing we've seen in the last two. And I think you'll hear about those statutes being created or used hopefully where are you going to be during this next uh next i guess year now where where are you are you going to be involved in any of it are you going to be far away from it or just or what i guess i'm gonna i'm gonna be where i need to be when it happens i don't know um that's that's foreseen i, I would hope to think after some of the you know you know, sieging of the White House and the attack of the Capitol that people have now realized, oh, like it's really make-believe to think we can overthrow the U.S. government. Uh, <laughs> I would like to say that I hope that brought people back to reality in some certain sense, but uh, I'm going to keep trying to talk about these issues with other podcasters and stuff like that. I think, I think that's the most important thing right now is people... Uh, you know, you said the squeaky wheel earlier. Um, the silent majority and people like first, first of all, man, I will go ahead and tell you, they they argued that I was a public figure in the courts and deemed me as a public figure after they made me a public figure. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that's actually part of defamation law. So you know, that's fucking weird. But uh, I guess the irony is, is people that might not necessarily want to be in the limelight are going to have to start standing up and talking, you know? So when people want to hear you talk or see what you're saying or need to get a hold of you or whatever else, where are they going to do this? Oh, I mean, I, I've got all my stuff open now so they can go to my Facebook, Trevor Adams, and find me on there. Uh, okay. Go watch Watch your public access. Yeah, I, I can actually, I think you put this on YouTube. I didn't think this was going to be an, uh, one that would be able to be on YouTube, but uh, there's nothing. What, what, what would have kept it from being on YouTube? I'm not sure. I've had a lot of different things that have been kept off of YouTube that I've said on here. And so I've had to be uh, 
a lot more selective. We have about... you haven't said a single curse word that I can remember. I have. You haven't. You have. I haven't heard it. Oh, I, I, I've said, I've said a few, but um, but there hasn't been been like I. Yeah, maybe I mean they just they were they were words, but there wasn't anything that was like a reason for them to take it down and give me a strike, uh, strike three for like the twelfth time. Um, so I feel like I feel like they've gotten lighter on that, you know, that they're kind of. I mean, now people posting live videos of of the attacks by Hamas. Like, how is that? Well, I mean, you can still see the um, the. Gaddafi getting killed on YouTube and shit like that. Oh, but the, you had got, like, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, we, we, you said something earlier about like the, the, the time scale where we're at between conflicts. Yeah, this is the first conflict like that. Okay, you obviously you remember the LimeWire days, correct? Right, yeah, okay. you actually had to sit there and download a video off the you know, yeah. simply the dark web. Uh, yeah, like 20 years ago ish. yeah like the speed of which that information just being like blown out like a, you know I was talking to a, a gentleman who was 70 years old and you know the distinction between you know the flower childs back then protesting the Vietnam War that is not what we're seeing in, in this day and age they want to think it is it, well it's not yeah right getting closer to, to French Revolution you know, like, which doesn't get brought up at all. Uh, no, it will. I mean, soon because uh, I guess the, the Napoleon movie coming out. Oh, okay. I don't know. There's a Napoleon movie coming out. Oh, it's Joaquin Phoenix, man. You seen that? No, I have not. Okay, that'll be interesting. So then, well, then maybe that'll be a good thing. That'll be a good thing, and something that's needed to get some more discussion going. And discussion and open conversation is something that's like you're saying very fucking important with this world and it's easy to shut anything down and fucking cover your ears like you're six years old but it's not that hard to, to listen and talk and I think that's something that's important and needs to happen more and like you were saying so um, yeah Trevor thank you for being on here and um, I'll have to get you back in a few months and we can Talk some more if you need a, I don't know. Uh, yeah, if you need a guest, it might, might not be what, what you're doing for your show. But uh, yeah, I enjoy talking with you and getting to I appreciate get stuff out. Yeah, you bet. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'll get this uh, up here. And uh, if you want, also, uh, I'll put this in the chat. Uh, if you want, you can take the video and take the link and drop it into this here and it'll go and clip out a bunch of probably like 10 to 20 different videos for you if you need some content um, for free. And, oh, for uh, this? Yep. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, cool. It, it's pretty, pretty rad. Um, I've, yeah, and it like will yeah, clip it out, AI clip it out. So you, and it will like, whatever seems like it will be the most thing interacted with will be like up on top. It's kind of crazy, but. Yeah, I probably would just take this and just 
throw it right on. Cool. Yeah, you can do whatever you want with it. This the show's for you. So, um, yeah, have a good uh, rest of your day, and we'll stay in touch. All right, bud. Appreciate it, Rusty. Thank you. You bet. All right, that's uh, Trevor Adamson. So, you guys, you got to hear that here first. So, what up? What up? And you guys, uh, also, also, you guys, leave a message. Leave a message. Maybe you don't like leaving messages, but I like hearing messages. I like them. I like them. If you don't like leaving messages and you're like, messages? Messages? We don't leave no stinking messages. But I need messages, 503-974-6420. I'll play it on here even. So thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank you for listening to the Public Access Podcast. And that is the show. Man. Boom! It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker.